Good morning, church. I hope you all had a wonderful week this week and a great Valentine's Day. As we shared before, we, uh, the marriage retreat is this weekend, so a lot of our marrieds are away uh, at that. They're having a, a great time. But when I think of Valentine's Day and this time of the year, I, I think of, of, of it, it being the time of things like secret admirers. Um, if I, you know, I, 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 I can't really remember if I had many secret admirers growing up, either just because I have a bad memory or because they were really good at keeping it secret. Um, or, you know, there's always the worry that it's just one of your friends messing with you. And that's never a good feeling to have as well. Nobody had friends that played practical jokes on them around Valentine's Day? All right. See the kind of friends that I had um, growing up. But I, I, I was never really one who was big on sharing secrets. You know, I think about, about um, <laughs> when I think about when I was younger, one time in, in elementary school, I remember I, I told one of my best, best friends in the world um, that I had a crush on the pink Power Ranger. And I, I think I was in like kindergarten or so. And uh, so he went and he decided that it would be, that, that he would share my secret with some of our other friends. And uh, let's just say from that point forward, we remained friends. But I was a little bit, I played things a little bit closer to the chest than that. You know, we keep, we keep secrets sometimes because we know that information is power. And we can hide it for, for we can hide some things for different reasons. Sometimes we're just embarrassed about it, right? Like in my case, I was just embarrassed. Maybe I'm a little embarrassed right now. You're sitting here looking at me hearing these things. Sometimes we just fear what other people will think if they find out a secret about us. Um, Or sometimes you just keep it a secret because you don't want to have to sit there and try to explain it to them, to somebody else, right? right? It's all stuff that we do. And so, today we're going to talk about a secret that I'm glad to share. I'm glad to share with you. And so the title of our message today is, The Secret Jesus. The Secret Jesus. And so, we're going to, we're going to ultimately end up in Mark chapter 8, but I want you to listen to a couple of these verses early on in Mark. It says in Mark 1, verse 24 to 25, it says, when Jesus is, it's, when impure spirits are speaking to Jesus, He says, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of Him. Then in Mark 1, 43 to 44, it says, Jesus, after Jesus had healed the man with leprosy, it says, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleaning as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in a lonely place. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Directly saying, hey, don't tell anybody. 
Don't say anything. Then in Mark 3 it says, Whenever an imp- the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God! But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. So there's a theme running throughout the book of Mark, and it's basically, for, for a good portion of Mark, Jesus is going around, he does some awesome things, and then he says, Hey, just don't tell anybody. Don't, 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 don't share this with anybody. This is just between you and I. Why would he do that? Well, this seems kind of odd, because how do we go from don't tell anybody to now today what we know is, hey, we should tell everybody. Tell everybody who Jesus is, what he was about. And that's basically, that's what we are going to discuss today. Why Jesus, for a good portion of his ministry, was like, hey, just let's keep this a secret between you and I. And what that means for us in our lives. So let's turn over to Mark 8, and we'll look at verses 27 to 33. So strange, right? Moments. In uh, verse 27, it says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about it. Wow. Right away. Hey, you're the Messiah. Yeah, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Then in verse 31 it says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that He must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at His disciples, He rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And so what we see here throughout the Gospel of Mark, this is kind of a, a key moment. What Mark is trying to do is he's, get, he's trying to get us to question, who is this man, Jesus? What is he about? What is he like? That's the million dollar question. Is Jesus John the Baptist reincarnated or reborn? Is he Elijah or just another prophet? But before, in some of those passages that we read, we see that Jesus is someone who's able to destroy demons. It's pretty cool. It's pretty powerful, right? That the spirits refer to him as the Holy One of God or the Son of God and that he's someone with the ability to heal people. And so here Jesus is making himself known little by little by little, and yet, still, it's trying to, he's doing crazy, miraculous signs. And still he's saying, just don't, just keep this a secret. Keep this between us. Now why do you think he did this? Why? Well, we know that up to that point, People had a, an idea of what they believed the Messiah would be like. The same way that many of us have an idea, or we walk in with an, a preconceived idea of who Jesus is and what He's about. 
You know, for many of them, they viewed Jesus, they, they thought that the Savior, the Messiah, was going to be a political leader. They thought he was going to be some, someone who would, who would reign over and free them from Rome's rule. Now, that, that's not true today, right? Most people don't want to take Jesus and politicize him. That's not how our society works, right? Because we don't want Jesus to be a political leader sometimes. We don't want Jesus to, to take a strong stand, but yet, is that what Jesus really came for? Is that what he was about? And we see Peter, he makes a great declaration. He says, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. And then after making a great declaration of faith, right afterwards says the exact wrong thing. The exact wrong thing. And uh, this is where, if, if you're one of the, the, the teens, I just want, just want you to make sure you're listening right now. You can give the right answer, but have no idea what it means and what you're talking about. Right? We see that all the time. Somebody could so adamantly say, this is what's true, this is what's right, but they have no idea what it means or where it comes from. Oh, where, where did you read that? You know, Wikipedia, the most trusted of sources out there today. No. We can totally do that all the time. You know, Peter was someone who traveled with Jesus. You know, for those of us who have grown up learning about Jesus, we can make a correct, correct declaration about who Jesus is and why he came and yet completely miss the point. Completely miss what he was about. You can grow up your whole life in church sitting there, intellectually know something, but it never makes sense. And I know that because that's, that's what happened to me. I grew up my whole life sitting in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, but never really understanding who Jesus was. Never really understanding what he was about other than, well, Jesus died for my sins and he was God. Right? I'm oversimplifying maybe a little bit, but I know many of you maybe have had the same experience. That's what your, your life growing up was like, and it wasn't until you got into the Scriptures more that you started to understand, oh, wow, there's actually more to this Jesus guy. There's more about him that I didn't understand. And so why all this secrecy? I think it's because Jesus knew that people had the wrong picture of him. He didn't come to be a political leader or a warrior king, as people expected, or hoped for, but he came as a servant and as a slave. And so Jesus did not want this secret revealed until he knew that they were going to understand what kind of a man he was and what mission he was on. Now, isn't that true? Sometimes somebody tells you a truth that you're just not ready to hear. And you sit there and, and they're, they're as clear as day. What did Jesus say? He said, look, he said, he, he began to teach them in verse 31 that he was going to be, that he was going to suffer, be rejected, and that he was going to be killed, and then raised again on three days. How much more plain language and clear can that be? Right? That sounds pretty clear to me. This is not going to turn out well for him. He's going to die, and then he's going to come back. But they just didn't understand. And I feel like I see that now. We are, uh, with our youth ministry, many of you know, we're, we're doing these, these surveys 
uh, for, for the, the, from the, for the teens and for the parents. And if, this is my plug, if you haven't filled it out yet, if you're a parent of a preteen, young teen, or teen, please do so today. You can see me afterwards. I'll get you the link. You can fill it out. But through reading some of these responses, sometimes the things that you have to share are hard for me to hear. Now, it doesn't make them not true. It doesn't make them not good input. But it does mean that, man, I have to really sit and think about some things. You know, sometimes it's not until we sit back and reflect on what someone has done or what someone has said after we're out of the situation that we can understand it. You know, Jesus' followers had no idea what he was talking about. But there did come a time when they did understand it. They thought about it. They had to reflect on it. But the question for you, I had, how willing are you to listen to and to try to understand something that is completely, completely outside of your comfort zone? Something that, that you just, you have all these, these, these preconceptions. We all have these preconceptions of who we are and what we're about how we define ourselves, but sometimes the way that we define ourselves is not always true. Sometimes the perceptions that we have of other people that are even in this room are not always true. There's things that we just don't get, that we don't understand, that we may not be able to understand until we take that time to look back. You know, I think about, I think about just, just many of the, the parents in here and, and the example that you set for your children. And I know looking back and, and working with, with teenagers has helped me appreciate this as I think about all of the things that my parents have done for me throughout the years that I just never said thank you for, that I was never grateful for. So thank you. I really appreciate everything that you've done. But it's hard. Right? You know that feeling as a parent when you're, when, when you're sitting there, you're really trying to give your all to your child, and yet at the same time they're so unappreciative. Now sometimes if you're not, you know, if you're not a parent, you've experienced this with a friend. You've been a really good friend to somebody and they just don't get it. They take you for granted. Or you see somebody else being ungrateful and it's like, how could you be so ungrateful? Look what, look what, look what they've done for you. But sometimes we just can't get it until, until something brings things into focus until something brings the correct perspective. I think that's one of the cool things that I, I, when I think about the Bible, we all have a bias, right, when we look at the world, right? We all see the world a little blurry, whether it's from our sinful nature or just we've grown up different ways and we see the world differently. But what's amazing is when we get into the scriptures of God and when we understand the character of God, the life of Jesus, it's like putting a pair of glasses on. It brings clarity to your life. You know, the first time I sat and studied the Bible, and I sat and I, I, I listened to the story of Jesus, and I looked and I, and I looked at, at what the Bible says things like sin are, and a lot of people, they read about things like sin, and they're, just, they're, they're like, oh no, I've messed up, I'm so badly. Honestly, when I read about sin, I was so relieved. You know, I, I was so relieved because as I looked at it, I said, this makes so much sense why my life has not been working. I see it. 
I get it. What a relief. If I had a, you know, that's the worst news in the world when somebody tells you you're already doing everything that you need to do. You're like, but can I, there's got to be one other thing I can do to fix it. There's got to be one other thing that I can just go out and, and just make, make the situation right. Sometimes when you just have to sit there and be like, okay, I can do nothing else. And you have to sit and wait. It's, it's, it's harder than being told that there's something that you can do. And so there was very little that the apostles could do to understand Jesus. And so what was missing? What was missing? Well, we've got to look over in Mark chapter 9 for that. Got to look over in Mark chapter 9. And uh, this, is, this is one of my, my favorite jo- verses to, to make jokes about. It's, uh, it's when Jesus is having a quote-unquote play date on the mountain with Elijah and, and Moses. Yeah, it's a great time. So Mark 9, verses 7 to 10, it says, Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to Him. Listen, really listen to Him. How well are we listening to Jesus? Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until, until when? The Son of Man has risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Now what I love about this, is that demons can know who Jesus is and not follow Him, yet they still have to obey Him. Peter can declare who Jesus is and not understand Him. God can even say, this is my Son. Jesus can even say, until I raise from the dead, and they still don't get it. Because that still wasn't enough for them to understand who Jesus is and why He came. The only way you can understand Jesus and be in on the secret is if you understand the cross. Is if you understand the cross of Jesus. Why He came. Now I know many of us do know, as I said before, that Jesus died for my sins. That's an incredible start. If you know that, that's great. But that'll only get you to the intellectual part. That's, I, I find that lacking, especially if you've been around here for a while and you've heard this over and over again, especially when we have communion every week, right? What do we talk about? How Jesus died on the cross for my sins. We literally talk about it every week, which is very cool in a lot of ways. But it means that it's easy for us to just kind of zone it out, right? Now we can make that declaration, Jesus died for my sins, but what it's lacking is the greater context of what's going on. You know, that statement, Jesus died for our sins, it neglects the history of salvation. It neglects Adam and Eve and the fall, the Passover, the law, the temple, the multitude of God's attempts to draw all people back to Him. How God planned since the Garden of Eden to replace the tree that brought sin and death into the world with a wooden cross that destroyed it. It neglects how Jesus was tempted in every way, 
yet lived a perfect life. And still he was rejected by his creation. You've ever been rejected before? This is Valentine's Day, so I'm going to assume at one point in your life you've been rejected. Then you know how that feels. Now this is Jesus being rejected by his creation. A parent being rejected by their child. Can you imagine the pain of that? And not only that, he was treated like a criminal. He was treated as if he did something wrong. Instead of it being we who blew it. Who just didn't understand. Now, like I said before, sometimes it's just not entirely, it's not entirely our fault. How can we understand until we understand the cross? There's no way. You know, we miss the fact that Jesus, in spite of all of this, how he voluntarily chooses to give up his life. How he says, you know what? I, I'm willing to die for you. I know, I know I've done nothing wrong, but because I love you. Here's my life. Take it. Do with it as you see fit. You know, when we look at that, when we really think about all that Jesus suffered, and if you have not read the crucifixion account in a while, or if you have never read it, I I hope that you go back and, and, and look at it and read it. Literally, if you look at the book of Mark, it's a very long introduction, and then boom, it's the crucifixion. That's the That's the layout of the whole book. Which is amazing to think about. That Mark spends so much time trying to get people to understand this is the kind of Messiah that we serve. That God will never leave us. That He'll never forsake us. No matter how much we abandon Him. No matter how much we betray Him. You know, I think one of my favorite things about the crucifixion account is that you look and you see the different responses that people have to Jesus. You have some people that betray Him. Others that have good hearts and support Him, but just are weak and fall asleep on Him. You have others who mock Him, who accuse Him, who even hate Him. Yet still, others who know what is right and know who He is and refuse to do anything about it. Are you moved by the cross? Because what we see throughout the Gospels is that the only people who opposed Jesus, the only people who would not submit to God's will for their life, were the people who did so out of fear and jealousy. And I think that's true for us. Right? When we resist what God is trying to do with us and in us, isn't it because we fear? Isn't it because we're jealous and we want something? That we're afraid that if we follow God, He won't give to us? And so we have to sit back and examine if a God who would give up His own Son, who would give up His own life for us, would do all that. Then do we really believe that there's something else that He would hold back? You know, Jesus did not just come to, to be this great, powerful leader to free us from all of our problems, to smite all those who, who, who wrong us, all the people who cut us off in traffic, all those who talk bad about us behind our back. 
That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to lay down his life for you and I so that we could get a fresh start. So that we could have life with him. And I think sometimes if you've been a Christian for a long time, we think and we treat the forgiveness of sins that many of us, that we know, that many of us know you receive when you're baptized at baptism by faith, always by faith, right? Not by works so that no one can boast. We know that, but we treat it like that's just the forgiveness of sin, of, of our past sins. And that's it. But we don't understand that in a relationship with Christ, in a relationship with God, you become a forgiven person. Yes, your sins are forgiven, but you in your essence, in your being, are forgiven. That's who you are. It's your identity in Christ. That's what the cross means. That's what the cross is about. That we can have a relationship with God and that we can be with Him for eternity. And when we have that, when we know that, we don't have to worry about, as Peter did, these mere human concerns. You know, Peter, he's, he's just worried about, well, Jesus, no, what if, what if you have to suffer? What if something goes wrong? Well, what did Jesus say to that? Yeah, what if something goes wrong? What if it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to? Well, that's okay. Because you have power over death. You have power over the grave. Sin no longer has mastery over you. This is who you are. This is who you are in Christ. It's not of you. You can't earn salvation. You can't be a good enough person to be right with God. It has to be freely given to you. And so out of a response to that, we continue to live our lives to glorify Him. Because we have the freedom, the ability to live differently than the world around us. That's what Jesus is talking about and that we can't understand until the cross. You know, I know that there are some of you in here who in the past have have struggled with that same fear and jealousy. Whether it's deciding to just give your life to God or whether it's you're wrestling with some aspect of your life that you're afraid to let go of. But I believe in you. Christ believes in you. And I'm convinced of better things for you. I know many of you understand this secret of Jesus. And that's incredible. Continue to keep it as the center of your life. Some of us may need a refresher. We need to be reminded. Go back. Like I said before, read through the crucifixion account. Others of us are are, are just starting off on our journey. And if that's where you are, I'm excited for you. I'm really excited for you. I mean, many of us in here, we'll tell you, the first time we really sat down and read the cross, and we read, oh, when you read even even the, have many of you in here read like the medical account of the crucifixion and all that went on with Jesus? Oh, you read that the first time and it's just like, oh man, he really went through all that for me? I'm almost, I'm a little jealous to be able to look at it again with those fresh, there's the fresh eyes. To see it. To understand God's love in a new way for the first time again. It's a beautiful thing. 
Because God has a, a greater purpose for your life. All these things that we run around and do, yeah, they're great. They're things that we need to do sometimes. The thing that we need to do many of the times are our human concerns. But as we talked about last week, what does it matter? What does it matter if the most important piece in all of this, if understanding who Jesus is, is not there in our life? What good is it if we've lost focus of what God has done for us? And so I think this is, this is the encouraging thing as we get ready to close out. You guys are in on the secret now. Now, many of you, you may get it, right? You may, you, may, you may totally have grasped everything that we talked about today. Others of you may not get it yet. You don't. And that's okay. Some of us may think we get it, and then we don't get it. I'm not sure I always get it. At least my life, I'm not sure that my life always reflects that I get it. And that's why you need to reflect. That's why I need to reflect on whether or not my life is a testament to the resurrection of Jesus. And so that's my challenge for us today as we close out. You know, when, we, when, when you look at Jesus, you're supposed to see, when you read through Mark, you're supposed to see that there's something more to Jesus than just meets the eye. And if you are a follower of Jesus, there is something more to you than meets the eye, even than you may see when you look in the mirror. You are in on the secret. You actually are God's secret. And so God has called us to live in a way that glorifies Him. Let us go and share with others the secret of Christ. Amen. You've just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nyc.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co